Welcome to John Longwell Media. Creative multimedia including music, inspirational messages, and audio prose. Today's message is entitled, So What Now? or The Talk, recorded on April 8, 2018 at Revived Church in Rio Rancho, New Mexico, where John serves as a teaching pastor. I pray you will be blessed by the message as you listen. Here now is John Longwell. We'll talk about God's holiness. He has no context of love. He has no context of justice. He has no context of what is right and what is wrong. Um, it's been hard for me just to just to watch shame in his sinfulness really destroy his entire, his, destroy his future. I with the Lord every single night. I know that God can save him whenever he wants to. And if he doesn't, I'm not going to say that God was bad because um, he's great and he's good. He's all wise. I praise God for his justice and everything that the Lord does is right. Um, but I still want shame to be saved. The message of the gospel is, is, is foolish to a dying world. But I definitely know I can't add anything to it that could um, cause anything um, to change within shame. Um, I just want I just want my heart to really um, be burdened when I speak to him. is a means by which we glorify God and love people. If we only love the act of sharing the gospel or the act of preaching, we're missing the point. Our hearts need to burn see people saved and see their lives bring um, the one true God the glory that he deserves. My name is Jeremy, and I'm unashamed of the gospel. That's probably the fourth time I watched that, man. It still, it impacts me. It's a powerful video. It really, uh, it, it breaks down to what we're going to talk about today. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to open your word this dynamic living document that was written on our hearts, Lord Jesus. So I ask that right now that I would just fade to the background. Your Holy Spirit would have just preeminence in this place, um, that we would each make a, a personal invitation to you to come speak to us in our hearts, Father God. We ask that you would bless the, the children's ministry today, the nursery, the, the, the children, that, are, that they would be touched by your Spirit too through that which is being taught. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to gather, and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I, uh, I was asked on Friday to, to preach, and um, I had my message done within like a half an hour. It was amazing. God just gave me this word. And I have to say that I have, I'm, not a, I'm not an evangelist or 
a person that's even comfortable sharing their faith. But I got so excited on Friday as I was preparing for this message. And so I pray that some of that flows through this morning. Um, Today we're going to talk about sharing our faith in a message I've entitled, Sir, What Now? or The Talk, as it's in your bulletin. Um, We're in the Sunday after Easter. And I look at this Sunday almost like it's the Sunday after Super Bowl Sunday. Because Christians and football fans have that question. So what now? I have to wait until the fall for another football game. You know, and Christians are like, well, that was our big Super Bowl Sunday. We had the victory over the grave and death. Amen? That is our pinnacle point. This is what we, this is what we live for. This is what we bring everybody to. This is the whole message of the gospel that Sean had shared. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then what's the point of everything that we gather to celebrate and share and remember? And so when it comes to our faith, however, we're not supposed to just be a football fan and merely spectate. We're supposed to be like one of the players who participates. Now, a football player, they may take a, a, a brief little rest after the Super Bowl, but it's guaranteed that they're not going to be very far from the game. One statistic says that after one week of rest, your physical stamina goes down by 5%. And after one day of inactivity, you lose 1% of your muscle mass. So maybe that is a reason if we are challenged in sharing our faith, it's because we're not using it enough to be active in that process. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, in sharing your faith, it's not a thing that we do, like going to the DMV. It should come naturally from who we are. It's nothing to get nervous about or overwhelmed by. And it shouldn't come across mechanically or impersonal, like giving a sales pitch. It should be in your own words from your own life. And it doesn't require us to go to door to door or stand on a street corner unless you feel so inclined to do so. It should be conversational like any topic we feel comfortable talking about. Our lives should be our billboard, causing others to actually inquire of us about our faith. In 1 Peter 3.15 it says, But in your hearts honor Christ the, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. And Matthew 5 verses 14 and 15 says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and in the same way it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in, who is in heaven. So this sermon is going to be about two things. It's going to be about the talk, which is Jesus and salvation. And it's basically the answer to that question that we're asked in 1 Peter 3.15, which basically says, give those a reason for the hope that is in you. But it's also going to be about preparing for the talk. Because it's, I think it's important every generation, we make this assumption, especially in church, we make the assumption that everybody is comfortable in sharing their faith. 
And yet about every 10 years, there's this massive turnover where the, the amount of knowledge that people have about God and Jesus can be anywhere from a little to not at all. And as this video, as he was playing in this video, you know, when it comes down to biblical things, we, we need to understand that the, the Bible is the foundational reason why we have justice. And without a biblical understanding of that morality, justice becomes perverted. Justice becomes a summation of, of those values that we have grabbed from different places in our world. And with all of the diverse influences that people have, you can imagine the kind of morality and the kind of justice that makes up a person's belief system. And so that's why it is so important for us to come back around and revisit our foundation to make sure, one, that it is a sure foundation upon which we're standing. It's good for us to question our own beliefs so that we can weed out how much of those weeds of the world have grown in alongside. Because we have to remember the enemy is a master deceiver and he will put things right alongside your own beliefs that look a lot like, that sound a lot like, that taste a lot like the very things that you think that you believe until you really start ripping it out and you go, you know what, that's poison. That's not something that I should have as a part of my belief structure. And so if we don't know what it is that we believe, how can we share a message to a dying world that is based upon truth? And so that's what we're going to do today. We're simply going to revisit some things that we probably already all know. But I want to encourage you as you continue on your mission that God has given each and every one of you to do so with the full equipping that the Holy Spirit would have you to do it with. Amen? Amen. So um, a little joke I have to, to as, as I prepared for the talk my uh, wife is getting ready to have a talk with our 10-year-old daughter about the puberty fairy. And so that's always fun. So it's not that talk. It's the talk about Jesus and salvation in case there be any confusion. Okay. So most people have some reference point about God or Jesus. And really that's our starting point is we figure out where that is or what that is. And it's from that point that we begin our journey in sharing the gospel with them. Now, the first thing that I want to let you know is you have no power to save anyone. That's right. Amen. You don't have the power. In fact, you, you can't lead anybody to the Lord. You can't save anybody. So just remove that pressure and that sense of guilt that, oh my gosh, I had an opportunity to talk to this person about the Lord and I didn't save him. Oh my gosh. No, you don't have, you have a responsibility to be obedient, to make the most of the opportunities that God gives you, but you don't have any ability to cause someone to make a confession or a, a, a salvation change within their life. That is completely by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So what this allows us to do is this allows us not to be so awkward. Because sometimes, you know, there's, there's a comedian, um, his name is Jim Gaffigan, and he's, he's, he's fairly family friendly. And one of the things that he jokes about is he says, hey, can, can it be more awkward when someone says, can I talk to you about Jesus? And, and so he says, 
He says in the middle of his comedian thing, he goes, I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. And then he has this little voice. He says, I wish you wouldn't, you know. <laughs> and, and a lot of people kind of come across that way when you come that direct, you know, can I talk to you about Jesus? They're like, oh, do you have any insurance to sell? Maybe we can talk about that, you know. <laughs> and so it can be a little bit awkward and you don't want to force a conversation The conversation should come out of the natural flow of the relationships that you have. So the goal isn't to talk about Jesus. The goal is to connect with someone and share the love of God. That's what makes the gospel accessible to everyone. Because I've, you know, one of the big things, and I'll talk about this, we don't talk about this a lot, but... When it comes to dealing with um, homosexuality and transgenders, the church has kind of taken a couple of step backs. They're like, oh, I don't know how we're even supposed to address that. You address that as you would any other thing. We live in a world where people are dying and going to hell and they have needs. And you find out what their needs are. You deal with them as a person who needs to understand the love of God. All of those other things are just other things. When it comes down to it, we connect by connecting with people and sharing the love of God. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. To make disciples infers that we are in a meaningful relationship with someone. Conversations will flow out of time spent together around things that you have in common. We pour our lives into them so that they become like us. That's essentially what a disciple is. The disciples were these 12 guys that walked with Jesus. They, they supped with Jesus. They slept near Jesus. They were in community with Jesus. And after time, their lives began to look like Jesus because he had an influence over them that they so admired and longed to be like. And that's what we are to be as we are around other people. They slowly become like ourselves. In fact, it was funny. My, my wife made an observation. She said that uh, we, we spent a lot of time with, with Mona and Jamie, just a lot of the activities that we do outside of a church happen to coincide. And Jamie had made an observation the other day. He said, you know what? My wife is now making some of the same little mannerisms that your wife does. You know? And it's funny because people will do that. They'll make these little, huh. And I think that's what it was. She goes, huh. Because my wife does that a lot. And, uh, and so it's like you start to pick up even like you can tell if people are married because sometimes they'll laugh the same. You know, it's like, you didn't laugh like that 10 years ago. Why are you laughing like that now? Well, you know, I'm married to this person. So, so we, we begin to take on those, those attributes of the people that were around. And that's a good thing. Um, all right. So how do we begin? Well, we begin every good endeavor by prayer. We pray for divine opportunities and so a divine opportunity or a divine encounter is simply this. It's uh, you're, you're looking at your day and, you, and, and maybe you don't have anybody right now that, that you can share the gospel with, that you can begin to cultivate um, that, relationship, that kind of a relationship with. And, uh, and especially people in church, sometimes all of our relationships are around other relationships of people in church. And so that can be good. That can, you know, that's neither good nor bad. It's sometimes it's just the season that you're in in life. But 
it's not a bad idea every once in a while to say, you know what, Lord, I'm ready for that divine encounter. Would you please bring someone across my path today with whom I can share the gospel? And maybe you won't even have a full conversation, but maybe it's just a beginning opportunity where you can begin to start to sow some seeds. Don't pray that prayer unless you're ready for God to answer it. Amen. Don't pray that prayer unless you're ready to be interrupted in your day. Because God may pull you into a three-hour conversation that you didn't really know that you were going to have. But if you pray it, he's going to bring it along because God will answer those prayers. If you seek, you're going to find if you knock, the door will be opened. You know, And so be prepared. The second thing we want to do is this video even... Um, kind of represented is we need to pray against discouragement. It's easy when you have a friend that you've maybe even been actively sharing with to get discouraged because you don't see any change in their life. You don't see any improvement. In fact, it's like, wow, I feel like since I've met them, their lives have gotten worse. Am I that influence? You know, but once again, the results, the fruit is not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to simply be faithful to the opportunities that God has placed in front of you. And know that if you begin to start making headway, guess what? You're going to infuriate the enemy because the enemy doesn't want to, because you're basically honing in on his real estate. And he does not want to sell that to you. He does not want to give ownership of that heart over to God. He wants to maintain that control. And so know full and well that if you do anything in the kingdom, you are going to obtain opposition. Jesus said it. They hated me. They're going to hate you. It was very interesting on, on a Friday night as I was so excited about the message. I woke up in the middle of the night with a, with a cramp right here. Have you ever had one of those? And I get it a lot because I don't drink enough water. And so, and it was really funny because I was actually reaching for my water at that time. And then I was stretching to, you know, you know, to kind of, to crack my leg and it, it cramped up. And I can never remember in the moment which way to stretch my leg. And so I'm yelling out, I go, which way do I, which way? And, and so now I figured it out. So I told my wife, just yell ballerina because you have to do ballerina toes in order to stretch that out. But it got, it got locked for 30 seconds. I was screaming in pain. It was, I, cause I, even when it was relaxed, it was still, it was still locked there. And it was really interesting because I woke up right after I had had this really alarming dream about my son, and it was like this whole 9-11 kind of a situation. And it was so out of the ordinary, so out of the characteristic of the regular kinds of dreams that I have that I knew that it was an attack. I knew that it was the enemy trying to get inside of my heart and inside of my head to disrupt the joy because he was like, oh no, this John hasn't had this kind of joy for a long time and I don't want him to walk in that joy. The joy of the Lord is what? It's our strength. It's what moves us beyond the circumstances with which we all struggle. We don't have to always be happy, but guess what? The joy of the Lord will sustain us and it will allow us to push through things. I think of like one of those ice breaking ships. Have you ever seen one of those like up in the north? They have these like, I don't know, like six inch steel hulls and they're literally just breaking through these six to eight foot chunks of ice. And that's what God has called us to do. We are called to be light in this world. We are called to make a, a way where there is no way. We're called to be the light bearers of the gospel. Amen. Amen.
Okay, so the next thing that we pray for is we pray for the people that God has put into our lives. Or we maybe pray that God would put a person into our life. So not only do we have a responsibility to be obedient, to share when we have that opportunity, but even when we're not with that person, put them on your prayer list. Put their name on your refrigerator, on your mirror, so that you can periodically throughout the day begin to just pray for them. Prayer moves things in the realm that we don't see. That's where really the, that's where the ground is truly taken. We just then get these opportunities to see life change after all of that business is conducted in the spirit realm. And that's where we're amazed. But really, you know, like, like the old saying is, you are, you are the tallest when you're on your knees in prayer before the Father God. Okay. So first steps. So now we want to watch for opportunities. The first thing that we want to do is prepare our hearts. Are we even ready to share the gospel with someone? Or are we so consumed in our lives and our schedules and our hobbies and our busyness that, oh yeah, if it happens to work out, great. We all know that unless you schedule for it or plan for it, it's not going to happen. Because even the things that we want to happen during the day, unless we purpose it to happen, it doesn't happen. It doesn't come to pass because there's all of these other things that always get in the way. And that's why the first thing that we have to prepare if we're going to be ready to share is we have to prepare our hearts so that we are now mindful, so that now we are watchful for the opportunities that God will bring along. We then, when we have an opportunity to talk to someone, sometimes the easiest ways to first connect with them is to simply inquire how they're doing. Now, one of the things about people in the world, and I've made this statement a lot of times when I've been going through my struggles and I've just had to rely upon the grace and the mercy of God, I'll make this statement, I don't know how people in the world do it without God. You know, it's just amazing. And so one of, the, one of the telltale signs of people that don't have God in their lives is when they're going through something, you can usually see it. It's, you know, the heaviness is on their shoulders, that, that facial expression. And that is a great opportunity for us to simply make that inquiry. How are you doing? Is, is, is everything going okay? And maybe you'll get a little bit of a, a glimpse behind the curtain and they may say, well, you know, I'm struggling in this area. And now you have an opportunity to deal with them on a real basis, not just that every day, oh yeah, you know, it's, it's going or, you know, it is what it is, kind of a, kind of a level. We get an opportunity to, to really listen to them, to have them share their heart for us. And we can even make that statement. We can say, you know what? Thank you so much for sharing with me. I, I appreciate that. I'm going to keep you in my prayers. And that's a great opportunity for us to gauge their openness to God. Because the simple act of saying that you will pray for them will kind of tell you where they are with God. You know, because sometimes they may, oh, well, okay, well, whatever, thanks. You know, I don't really believe in that. Or sometimes they'll say, you know, thank you. I really appreciate that. It kind of tells you, well, maybe they're receptive on some level to God. You know, maybe they've had that environment because you're not going to really know until you start getting into conversations. That's a great way to test the water. So then the next thing is to follow up. I had an opportunity recently with a coworker, and uh, he goes to church, but just because you go to church, that doesn't mean anything. You know, you could, half of you could be mass murderers. I wouldn't know about it, you know. 
And, but, but it's true. We, we polish the facade. We polish the presentation so that everybody here thinks that we're good. We, we wear the nice clothes. We, we make sure that we present ourselves in a way that everybody will be comfortable with. You know, if I walked in in a clown outfit, you might have some questions. You might like, oh, going to a masquerade party after this? No, this is what I wear on a daily basis. Okay. So we don't, that's not how we live. We live in such a way so that we won't draw attention to ourselves. And so I really lost my train of thought there. Okay. So I had a friend of mine. He, he, um, he called me up one night. Um, he knew that I was, was a believer. And he, sh- and he literally didn't have anybody else to share with. And he said, um, I had a friend that was supposed to come over to my house tonight. And uh, he just texted me. And he said that he's going to go commit suicide. He said he's down by the Bosque. He goes, I don't know where he's at. I, I, I've tried to call him, and I just keeps going right to voicemail. He goes, he's been talking about suicide all week. And I'm really, really concerned. He was, he was very distraught. That's the best word I can think of. And so I, I said, well, let me pray for you. And so I prayed for him, and then I prayed for his friend. And I said, right now, you can't do anything more than entrust him to God. I go, you're powerless. I get, you've tried, unless you go down to the Bosque and you try to find him in the middle of the night, which I don't recommend. So we, we've left it in God's hand. And so about three or four hours later, right before I went to bed, I texted him just to, to do a follow up to see how things were going. So he texts me back and he says, um, he says, Oh, my friend called me. He, he had sobered up a little bit. He's going to come to my house in about an hour. And he said that um, he was just very drunk and very, dis- very depressed. And he was texting out of that, that situation. And then he said, thank you so much for checking on me. People will be impacted when they understand and realize that your concern is genuine. Because people ask you how you're doing, but they really don't care. They're like, oh, wow, we're having a conversation beyond 10 seconds. This is really uncomfortable. Why is he still holding my hand? You know, and so we we're not prepared to go deeper. A lot of times we're just like, hey, how's it going? And I do that all the time. And in, in, I work at the district office for Rio Rancho Public Schools. And every once in a while, I have these long hallways and I'll see someone coming towards me. And I'm like, OK, I better put my head down because I don't want to make eye contact too quick because then that will be the entirety of the conversation. Then you get about 15 feet away. How's it going? Oh, how are you doing? You know, and then you just keep walking by. That's it's a courtesy. It's almost like a dance that we've all learned how to dance, but it doesn't allow us to get beneath the surface level of relating to people. And it's sad. So follow up with them, text them, call them, or if it's better and more appropriate, then um, talk to them in person. And then the last two things is extend an invitation to people for coffee or for a meal. The real goal is to get them away from the normal setting in which you relate to them so that you can have a real conversation. And once again, you guys don't have to start having the whole heart-to-heart in the first conversations. Don't go into it with any kind of a preset you know, notion of what it's supposed to look like. Just allow, just create those situations where you can begin to cultivate a little bit of a deeper relationship. And then, of course, take them to church. Invite them to a Bible study. And once again, after that, follow up with them. Don't just leave them hanging. They've now been kind of dipped partway into some of these wonderful opportunities for spiritual growth and understanding. Make sure that you're following up with them. Okay, so that's, 
the, the process of preparing for the talk. And now I want to talk to you about the talk. And the talk is sharing about Christ. Now, the first thing is to be led by the Spirit. Pray for the Holy Spirit to guide your talk. If you're even in an environment with them, pray with that person and say, you know what, we're, we're, we're talking about some things that I really want to invite the Holy Spirit's presence. Pray one of those prayers. If that doesn't seem appropriate, then pray silently before and even throughout. We can live in a, in a setting and in a relational style with the Holy Spirit where we're constantly in prayer. You know, even like, oh God, please give me the words to say. That was a hard question. You know, and so just, just pray and be led by the Spirit. The next thing is to be sensitive to your audience. Are they tracking with you? Do they want more? Do they want less? Um, allow it. Allow the flow of your conversation to be gauged depending um, on your audience's response. And then the next thing is listen to them. Don't hog the conversation. That's, that was a hard thing for a person like me because I've got so much to tell you. And I am a detailed person. And so if you engage me, um, and it's better now, but if you engage me and you show interest in one of my, one of my topics, <laughs> strap in, baby, because we're going for a ride and I can entertain you from here to Los Angeles if we're on a road trip. I've got 15 books that I've written, and I can tell you the story of all of them. So <laughs> be sensitive to your audience. Um, be responsive to what they say. Um, and then ask leading questions. And a leading question is a question that does not have a yes or no answer. For, for an example, what do you think when you hear the name Jesus? It allows them to expand upon the topic that you're, that you're going with. So as you're, and they call it um, being an active listener. So as, as the person that you're communicating with, you know, they say something, key on, on certain things that they're talking about and ask questions to begin to draw more out of them. And number four, don't have an agenda. Once again, you are not required to close the deal. Number five, you don't have to have all the answers. Wow, what a relief. You can say, I don't know. You can say, man, that's a good question. Can I do a little bit of research on that and, um, and get back to you on that? Or if it's so far over your head, say, well, maybe we could sit down with my pastor or somebody from my church who's a little bit more knowledgeable, and I bet you they would be able to provide us a little bit more insight or, or background on that. So you don't have to be the resident expert just because you want to respond to someone about Jesus. Number six, give them the freedom to express their opinions, even if their opinions are wildly offensive. We need to remember that where they are now isn't necessarily where they're going to remain. And we also need to remember that when you first came to Christ, you were a little bit dirty too. You know, you had some habits, you had some things that may not have been that welcoming to the, to the people within the church. But that's okay because the church is a hospital for people 
who are saved and hoard to be saved. This is where we go to be healed. This is where we go to be messy. And this is where the invitation should be that come and be messy together because we're all working on our stuff. And so we never want to set this false standard that, oh, well, you know, if you come to church, you have to be righteous and holy and all this stuff. Because we don't have the ability to make ourselves holy. We have the ability to allow the Holy Spirit to come and be that influence in our lives to transform us and to change us. And so do not put that standard upon another person as you're sharing with them. And don't be alarmed or offended if they start simply talking in the vernacular that's very real to them. When my dad got saved, he was about in his mid-50s going to a rehabilitation program because he had gotten a DUI. And the court said, basically go to rehab or you lose your license. And he would have lost his job because he was traveling all over the state as a supervisor and he needed his car to, to work. And so he's in there and the next closest person to his age was 18 years old. And he said, this was my dad's salvation prayer. He said, well, God, I pretty much effed up my life, so why don't you take a crack at it? (laughs) But had my dad prayed any other prayer, it wouldn't have been legitimate, but that was legitimate to who he was. So allow them to be themselves. Be able to share your testimony in about three minutes. So here we go. I'm going to share mine. So when I was 13 years old, I went to a church camp out, and it wasn't at a church, but it was just with my church group. The destination was the Apple River in Wisconsin, and the whole venue that you do is you get in these inner tubes and you raft down the river. Well, had my youth director couple done a little bit of research, they would have found out that it was also a great party destination for a lot of college-age kids who like to drink beer. As you're floating down the river, on either side of the river are these trash cans with these big targets so that as they're drinking their bottles of beer and cans of beer, they can throw the empties into the trash cans so that they don't litter the beer. So this setting, all these girls wearing their bikini tops and foul language and beer and all this kind of stuff. There was even, there was even tubes with a keg in the middle of the tube so that if you ran out of beer, you could just float over and refill your... So, it was, so you know, great environment for a church youth group, right? So... We get to the camp out that night and we have our three tents set up in a little half circle and we're sitting there singing our songs around the campfire and all around us, beer parties. It's like being on the front lawn of a frat house. And so every once in a while we'd have somebody run across our campground like, oh, cool, man, you're playing guitar. That's awesome. You know, and so we'd have these little um, interruptions and everything. So diligently, my, my youth directors, they presented the gospel. And it was on that night in the midst of that setting that I got saved. And the reason why I believe that happened was because I grew up with an alcoholic father. And weekly, I would go to the bars with my dad. I would go to the Elks Lodge. I would go to the Moose Lodge. And so I would sit on a stool next to him enjoying my Shirley Temple while he's drinking his beer with all of his buddies and they're getting drunk. And these were the people that I knew as my community. And so for me to be in that setting around these kind of people that I was very comfortable with, it was very understandable that I would then have my heart open to receiving the gospel because God met me in a setting that was very familiar to me. I remember sitting in my tent that night after all of the sound and the the revelry had died down and I looked out into the darkness and I remember making the statement, I can truly see light into this darkness. Christ had become real to me in a way that had never happened before. So that's my testimony. I think it was a little under three minutes. So 
You want to be able to share your story because it's your story. They don't want someone else's story. They're talking to you. You're in a relationship with them. Share something of substance and power from your own life. I encourage you, if you're not comfortable or you don't even know what your story is, grab a friend and practice it. It's okay to just, because maybe you're uncomfortable with that. Maybe even the thought of sharing your testimony gives you anxiety. Get over that that hump. Smooth it out. Write a letter to yourself and mail it to yourself and read it and go, wow, what is this? But get familiar with your own story so that when the opportunity arises, you can pull out the arrow and you can shoot it and it will hit the mark for which God has intended it. Number eight, be able to share the gospel. Wow, that's an even bigger assignment. Well, thank God we have cell phones and apps and YouTube. There is an app called God Tools, and it's great. It has all of the four laws of salvation. It has lots of little things that you can look at as you're in different conversations with people. And also, there's if you will do a search on YouTube for one-minute gospel, you will find the entire gospel given in a little over a minute. You could sit down with a person and watch that minute video and then begin to share some of the the specifics of the gospel. So don't don't be afraid if you're you're like okay, well um Adam and Eve and then um Abraham and Noah and Moses and you know 3 hours later they're like what were we talking about? And I'm really hungry. You said you're taking me to lunch. You know, and so don't be overwhelmed because you don't feel equipped to do that. Use some of the tools that are out there. Get familiar with how to share the gospel message. When it comes down to it, it's really just the basics that Jesus Christ died for your sins. You are a sinner. And without acknowledging that, sin separates us from God. And if you will receive the free gift of Jesus' death, which paid for your sins, and apply that to your life, ask Jesus to become the Lord of your life, you will serve the living King and you will live with him for all of eternity. So that was the gospel right there. It doesn't have to be anything mysterious or complicated, but learn how to share the gospel with another person. Number, ten, or number nine, ask to pray with them. That's the most important part, is to pray with them in some way, shape, or form. You can do one of those, you know, repeat after me kind of prayers, or you can simply say, if you agree with the prayer that I just prayed, say amen. Because amen means, yes, let it be, or let it be so. And so they're saved by the admission of their mouth, by the words that they say by the words that they speak. And so that's really what we want to get is for them to come into agreement with the words of the salvation message. And then number 10 is follow up with them. Is that becoming a kind of a ringing thing? Follow up with them. Why should you follow up with them? Because I don't know them. Sean may not know them. They're a person in your life. They're a person that God has blessed to be one of your salvation possession. So follow up with them. See how they're doing. Cultivate that wonderful relationship that God has so given to you. I had a great opportunity probably about two or three weeks ago to follow up with a friend of mine that I led to the Lord back in 1999. And it's almost 20 years later. And we've had a very kind of a, I'll call it a leapfrog kind of a relationship where we would get together every once in a while. Within the last year or so, I go to church with him on Wednesday nights because he doesn't have any other opportunities to go to church. He works during the weekend. And so it was through that 
consistency of our relationship that when he went through a relational breakup, he called me. And he wasn't even in a position to go to church that night. And I said, well, would you like me to come over? And he goes, please come over. So I came over. That was probably one of the lowest nights that he's had in, since I've ever met him. But I had the opportunity to be a part of that because I had continued to be in a discipleship kind of relationship. And those are the opportunities that may be few and far between, but those are the ones that we will remember and that we will relish if we make ourselves available to real people with real problems in the world that need Jesus. All right, so as we wrap it up, so what now? In summary, remember you are a Super Bowl Easter Sunday champion. Be yourself, share the love of God, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. We're going to do the last song that you guys did. Be yourself, share the love of God, and share about Jesus when it's natural. And I key on that, when it's natural. Don't, like I said, don't try to force it. You, you're, not on an, you're not on an agenda. You don't have a supervisor that's going to be asking, okay, well, how many salvations do you have this week? Okay, I'm going to dock your pay. You know, you're not going to get your bonus. Now you're going to be sitting three thrones down from, from Jesus when it comes to, to Salvation Day. It's not about that. And so as I close in prayer today, I'm going to make an invitation. If there's anybody here that is intrigued by the words that I've been saying, you don't know Jesus. Maybe you've heard of Jesus. Maybe you've been around a church setting and you've never made that commitment to Christ. I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me right now. I'm going to do that for two reasons. One, because it's a great opportunity. And number two, you can use this as an example as you pray for someone else that may also be in a situation where you can lead them to the Lord. So let's pray. And Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to share your gospel, to equip your saints, Lord Jesus, that we would walk now a little bit more with eyes to see and ears to hear and uh, to just be watchful and mindful in our own hearts to be prepared for different opportunities that uh, we may have to simply uh, sow seeds, to water, to share, to just take advantage of these wonderful opportunities to share your love with other people. If you're here today and you would like to ask Jesus into your heart, I ask that you would pray these prayers out loud after me. Lord Jesus, please come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. Thank you for dying for my sins. I want to live with you for all of eternity. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. It's that simple. We hope you've enjoyed this inspirational message. Please email questions, comments, and booking information for John to mail at johnlongwell.com to see the full range of creative works, including books, inspirational messages, music, art, and web development content. Please log on to www.johnlongwell.com. Thank you for listening, and may God's blessings be yours in abundance.